Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with her a new show. It's called What Do I Say? and it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. It seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one. Hey, I want to welcome you to a new podcast show we're launching today called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor at New Hope Church, and I want to thank you for listening wherever you might be today. The goal of this new podcast is simple. It's to seek to apply the timeless truth of Scripture to the timely topics that we face today. You know more than ever, and you know this as well as I do, that we need to be equipped as followers of Jesus to be able to respond to the pressing questions of the day, to, uh, to be able to build a clear, theologically accurate foundation for faith in Jesus in a culture that is increasingly anti-Christian. A scripture from years ago that was shared by, by a friend and a mentor, Psalm 11.3, it says this, that when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? What this means is, it literally what that word foundations refers to is the foundations of society. And when they're being rocked and knocked down, when they're being deconstructed and changed, how will the righteous respond to that? In other words, when the world changes, will, will Christians simply go along with it? Or will we reflect culture? Or will we stand up and stand out? Will we strive to be light in a dark time? See, as followers of Christ, we face important, confusing, and complex topics today. So here's our goal. Our goal is that each time we're together, each episode that we release for this new show, that we're going to take on one topic. And each topic, we're going to aim to equip you to think and to respond biblically about that topic. So just so you're warned and and have a heads up, this show is going to take on some tough topics. We're going to take on topics around morality, gender, truth, some social issues, and more. And I will say this as well. If there's a topic that you would like to see addressed, I would invite you to email me at ryan at newhopeadel.org. I really would love to hear from you. But as I mentioned, there's a warning in all this. Here it is. See, when tough topics are taken on, there's plenty of opportunity to disagree. There's plenty of opportunity even to get angry. It could be that not just with this episode, but any episode in this show, that there's something that, that is said that, that causes you to, to maybe struggle a little bit. I want you to know that my goal is to push us all to think biblically. My goal is not to frustrate you at all. And so here's my ask. My ask is that in all these shows that we do for the What Do I Say podcast show, that you would lean in. So if you have a question that you would ask, if you disagree with the point raised that you would share, and again, you can email me at ryan at newhopeadel.org. The goal is to keep the conversation going. The goal is to be equipped. And the goal is to wrestle with what the scriptures say about the topics that we face most today. With that said, I'm joined with Pastor Jake, also one of the staff pastors here at New Hope Church, and I'm excited to get started. Yeah, I am excited to jump in on this one. So I thought we start today, this first episode, with a light topic. Ha ha. The light topic is this. What do I say about homosexuality? This is a huge topic, isn't it? Yeah. When Ryan came into my office and said, I think we're going to do the first episode on this. I said, all right, we're doing this, aren't we? We are. We're jumping in. This is, but this is what the show's about. It's about 
I don't know, helping people figure out what to say when they're faced with a gay coworker or invitation to a, a wedding between uh, two gay men or what I'd say when my friends, my daughter's friends are lesbian. Like, this is happening in real life. It is. It absolutely is. It's a huge topic uh, today in society. It's a huge topic in our own lives. It's a huge topic in Christianity, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a topic that also divides, unfortunately. Divides families, divides churches, and more. And it can really be hard to know how to respond to this. And I think here's the primary reason why. The primary reason why this is such a difficult topic is that most people, and most Christians for that matter, we know somebody that we care about that may struggle with or identify as homosexual. So as a result, we carry this emotional attachment. I remember this hit home with our family uh, at, uh, several years ago, for, especially for my son, Sean, when he was 11 years old. He was cast in his first um, professional musical, and the directors, uh, after he was hired for the show, are two gay men. Uh, the cast members. It was sort of a quick introduction to the arts. And we had to wrestle with, as Sean had to wrestle with, what is this wrong? And um, how can this be wrong? And and I remember, you know, these sayings that would begin to come out, well, they're not hurting anybody, Mm -hmm. or love is love, or let them do what makes them happy. And when you have that personal connection, it can be harder to navigate this kind of topic. It's really easy to argue in a vacuum, but then, yeah, when you put names and faces to it, it gets trickier. Absolutely. So I want to begin with actually an assumption that I want to ask everybody who's listening on this show to consider adopting. It's an assumption that not only works well for this topic, but I think it's one that as we navigate any topic, whether on this show or anything in life that we we struggle and think deeply about, that we adopt as a foundational assumption this idea, that the Bible, as God's word, has full authority to frame our thinking on this topic, as opposed to shifting cultural cues. So you see what I mean by being foundational. We want to come back to a place where we say the Bible is the one, is the source that has the authority to frame my thinking, our thinking on the topic of homosexuality. So as a result, the question really isn't, what do I think about homosexuality? That, that really isn't the foundational question. The question really is, what does the Bible teach? Mm-hmm. And am I willing to come to a place of surrender to God and his word, no matter what he says, no matter what I read in scripture. And to do that on the front end, I think is so important because the bottom line is that something shapes our worldview. So what is it? Media, movies, college, politics, music, or is it scripture? See, we're taking our cues from somewhere, right? And on the topic of homosexuality, that's no different. We take our cues from somewhere. So something is shaping your worldview and whatever it is that's forming your beliefs about this topic or any other has incredible influence on your values and on your behavior. We're really talking about a lordship question here, aren't we? So the bottom line is, going back to Psalm 11, verse 3, really our theme verse for this show, is that when the foundations are being destroyed... If, if our lives are being built on the same foundation um, 
as culture and as society, we're going to go down with it. Because, I mean, culture is constantly, constantly changing in a way constantly. That we haven't seen before. Absolutely. But if our life is countercultural and is built on the rock of scripture, timeless truths that's applied in contemporary times, when the foundations of society are being deconstructed, we have a chance to stand strong and to stand consistent, both with grace and with truth. That's really where, as we think about uh, just a foundation to move forward, I want to ask you as a listener to, as a presupposition, before we even jump into the topic of homosexuality, that you would be willing to come to that place where I'm going to take uh, from Scripture uh, as having the full authority to frame my thinking on this topic. So with that said, what I want to do now is just take some time to talk about three theological convictions from the Bible. Now, full disclosure, this is really going to be a part one uh, of this topic, and so we're only going to get to one or two of these convictions in this episode. But nonetheless, three convictions is really what we're after here with this. And this is going to help us set some foundation on this topic. So that said, let's go ahead and jump into number one. Number one is this. There is a difference between same-sex attraction and homosexual behavior. All right, let's go ahead and get started with our first theological conviction. It's this idea that there is a difference between same-sex attraction and homosexual behavior. Now, let me say that one more time in case you're driving to work or somewhere out and about and you just missed that. There is a difference between same-sex attraction and homosexual behavior. Now, don't, don't miss this. See, attraction is a temptation. And we all experience temptation of various kinds. And here's why this is important, because being tempted is not a sin. Even Jesus was tempted and yet did not sin. See, the key is, how do we respond when we're tempted? See, a person, for example, may feel tempted to lie to get what they want, or to steal something, or even view pornography. But the question is, When that temptation comes, will they follow through and act out or act on that temptation? So you can resist the temptation to sin with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He he can help us not follow through on the temptation that we feel. And this is on any, any number of topics. So again, the big idea here with this first conviction, attraction is a temptation, but homosexual behavior is a sin. So what does this mean? This means that every Christian, it doesn't matter whether a person is gay or straight, has the responsibility to do at least two things on this topic. First, to resist temptation. Like, for example, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able, here it is, to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. See, that evil, it comes, that temptation comes, but, but we can stand our ground. We don't have to follow through uh, on that temptation. There is victory in Christ, and the Holy Spirit gives us all we need to resist. Second, and this is so foundational, is that we have the responsibility as followers of Jesus to present our bodies at, to Christ as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, such such important verses. Paul writes, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your your spiritual act of worship. That word spiritual means reasonable act. It means done in thoughtful reflection, not mindless habit. It goes on. It says, do not conform or imitate any longer to the pattern or ways of this world, but rather be transformed. In the Greek, what that means, the, the, the tense of it, it literally means to keep on being transformed over and over, day by day, moment by moment, this metamorphosis, transformation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, how you think, because how you think determines how you live. So that's our first conviction. It's a, it's a big one. It's drawing a distinction between temptation, attraction as temptation, behavior as sin. And it's, it's so different from the world because if there's one word that I would think of when I talk about lesbian, gay, bisexual, all of those things is identity is the word that comes to mind first when you think about how the world frames it. And this is framing it in a very different light in terms of temptation and behavior as opposed to this is who I am. It's this is what I'm experiencing. That's really well said, Jake. Absolutely. And actually, it's a it's a good foreshadowing for the next episode. We're going to get into topics around identity and some stories and some scriptures around that, because that's such an important factor on this topic mm-hmm. specifically. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our second uh, conviction and probably our last one for this episode. This one might step on some toes, so get ready. Number two, the Bible is clear that all sexual behavior outside of marriage is a sin. Again, let me say that one more time. The Bible is clear that all all sexual behavior outside of marriage is a sin. In other words, sexual activity outside of marriage, and, and the Bible scripture defines this as between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That sexual activity outside of that context is outside of God's design, outside of his will, and it is sin. So, so why are we even bringing this up on a, on a podcast on homosexuality? Because, because here, here's the big idea with this. Homosexual sin is no worse than other sexual sins, such as adultery such as premarital sex, and more. If we're going to talk about sexual sin, of which homosexuality is uh, behavior is one of them, I think we need to take it all on. And we need to be willing to have the courage to address all of these topics. And someday, I, I tell you, Jake, it would be interesting, and I think we'll do this, we're going to devote an entire episode on this podcast show to the topic of what the Bible says about sex. I think all this right. would be an important right. topic to take on. But but for now, what, what I do want to do is call out that sometimes, and I don't know that we actually mean to do this, but we do sometimes, is that we elevate some sins. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's what you do. Right. And as worse than other sins, typically what I do. Yeah. And maybe it's just part of the human condition that we do that. See, for example, we tend to ignore sins such as pride, or self-centeredness 
because we all struggle to a degree with pride and self-centeredness. So, so why convict ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So we, we sort of brush those under the, under the carpet, or we even, in some ways, culture can elevate those as wonderful attributes to have. You know, the Bible says something very different. So we can be very guilty of, of playing some sins as worse than others. Mm-hmm. And Which I think we, definitely what's happened with the sin of homosexuality and American churches is it's become, oh, well, that's terrible. But I mean, people living together for years before they're married now, nah, I mean, oh, well, exactly, exactly. This is something that church, we need to, we need to be willing to take on and uh, have the courage to wrestle with. Uh, Jake, let me give you a couple examples, a couple examples. Um, the first one I, I want to talk about this, and and again, maybe it's a, a little bit off the the path of the homosexual topic, but I think under this conviction number two, this is fair game and something we should talk about, and that is living together outside of marriage. Mm. Uh, Barna, uh, who does prolific research um, in secular and Christian settings, uh, has some interesting statistics. I want to share these with with you and our listeners. What he found in his research is that today most American adults. And that's defined as 65% believe that living together outside of marriage is a good idea. Now, those who are Christian are less likely to agree, but that number is still around 50%. So about half of people who identify as followers of Christ would say living together outside of marriage is a good idea. But let's not dig a little not deeper. Not even okay. Just it is a good it's idea. It's a good idea. Do. Absolutely. Absolutely. They lean into it. To dig a little deeper, and this may not be a surprise, but the younger generations adopt this more. 72% of millennials think living together outside of marriage is a good thing. Uh, how about a di- I'm going to jump from Barnum now to Family Research Council. They did a study. And what they studied was, was the church. And what they found was that 61% of Christians said they would have sex before marriage. And 56% reported that it is appropriate to move in with someone after dating them for six months or longer. Now, this is the church. Again, I want to call that out. Not culture. More than half, 56% said, hey, you've been dating somebody for six months, which I think maybe is an arbitrary time. It says we're committed. It's, it's good, it's appropriate to move in and live together. The conclusion that the Family Research Council uh, stated, and I'm going to quote them, the end of their study, they said, Christians are perhaps more influenced by the culture than they are by the teachings of Scripture. Ouch. Yeah. That hurts. Shame on us, you know, us, the big C church, so to speak, of of turning a blind eye if we ever do to this kind of topic that goes contrary to what what the Bible talks about. And, and I will tell you too, just on a personal level, this is by far the number one topic when I'm doing premarital counseling with couples that we deal with. Mm-hmm. And so it is it is absolutely here uh, with us in the church. Um, and we just have to remember and call it out that sometimes we normalize behavior through familiarity. Mm-hmm. And we'll normalize this behavior because it's just so common. Well, it, because everybody's doing it or it's so common in culture that all of a sudden over time, it just doesn't feel like such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Matthew 19 verses four and six. 
uh, Jesus, he's talking. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. And they, uh, excuse me, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Of course, this is the context of marriage. And so it's, it's, it's an area where we are not aligned. Yeah. God takes um, marriage a lot more seriously than we do most times. Absolutely. How about a second example? We'll end with yeah. this one. Pornography. <sighs> huge problem. Huge problem in culture. Huge problem in the church. I'm going to share with you some stats from Barna again and from another group called Covenant Eyes. And these stats, honestly, are mind-blowing uh, and disturbing. Uh, over 40 million Americans regularly visit pornographic sites, websites, that is. There are around 42 million pornography websites. And the annual revenue for these sites is more than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. Wow. 47% of families in the United States report pornography as a problem in that household. Drive down your street. Maybe there's 20 houses, approximately 10 of them. Pornography is an issue in that home. Pornography uh, use increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. And, and Jake, this is something that you're a youth pastor that, um, or any parents out there. The average age for the first exposure to pornography is 11 years old today. Mm-hmm. And 94% of kids have viewed porn by the age of 14. And if you're listening, you think, well, my kid's 14. I, maybe they're in the 6%. Chances are they're not. But how about the church? Sadly, it's, it's not any better. 70% of youth pastors report that they have had at least one teenager come to them in the past 12 months asking for help in dealing with pornography. 68% of men who attend church view porn on a regular basis. Like I'm speechless. Oh, yeah. 68% of men who are sitting in churches are viewing porn on a regular basis. Seven out of every basis. And then how about this? Over 50% of pastors. Mm-hmm. Like this is heartbreaking. This this is, we, we talk about a pandemic a lot these days. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. It's a different kind, obviously, than the medical. But but this is disturbing uh, next, young Christians. So so Christians who are 25 years old and under, 76% of them engage with pornography. And 33, excuse me, 33% of that stat, they're young women. Uh, 87% of Christian women have watched porn. Only 13% of Christian women's have rep- women report never watching porn. This is a major problem. And this is, this is one, again, we, we don't talk about it very much. We don't, we don't engage it as often as we should. And, and new hope could be part of that, uh, to take this head on this incredibly destructive topic that is ripping apart individuals and marriages and households, wrecking kids, and churches, communities. I mean, this is a really big deal. When you, you talk about familiarity kind of making things seem normal and not sinful. And I was watching a show the other day and one of the characters in the show 
starts talking negatively about porn and how it's a disease and it's tearing apart his generation. And so he stopped entirely. And the whole scene is kind of played as, oh, he's this giant nerd and he's being over dramatic. And it's kind of depressing because I'm watching the show and I'm like, no, that's he's right. Like everything he's saying is right. It is more hurtful than we're ever willing to admit. It is tearing apart more lives than we're ever willing to admit. It is causing more infidelity and causing more rifts in marriage than we're ever willing to admit. But hmm. I mean, porn's normal in the church and being being gay isn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so back to the original point. Why do we share all of this? Because if if we're gonna take this topic on We've also got to, if we're going to be consistent, um, we got to take on and recognize that all sexual behavior outside of marriage, outside of God's design of what is good and why he made it, it's a sin. And so if we're going to get serious about addressing homosexual behavior, then we need to get serious about addressing all facets of sexual sin. A lot more to be said about that, but at least it lays out this second theological foundation. So sadly, we, we are running up against time here for this first episode, but we are far, far from done on this topic. And so I want to thank you for, for listening uh, here today, and, and I want to invite you back to listen in on our next episode, a, a part two, if you will. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight this third theological foundation. And I'm just going to give you a little heads up. This one's going to be the most controversial out of the three. Uh, second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at some key passages from the Bible. What does God say about homosexuality? And then finally, we need to talk about, so what do we do with all this? How, what's the takeaway? And how how do we respond to the people that we know and love and care about who struggle with same-sex attraction or identify themselves as homosexual and all that, that entails? So a lot more to get started. I want to thank you again, for Jake, for being here with me on this. And again, I look forward to the next time as we continue this new show, What Do I Say? and all the topics that we're going to take on.